So this is a different experience for sure, uh, but I just first of all want to say to you when, when they ask if I could come and speak, it's just always such a joy. This is an amazing church. It's an amazing church. It worships with passion. You guys have such heart. And it's always joyful to me. I think it was the last time or the time before when I was here and I said, you know, I've never been in a church where they actually whistle for the presence of God. And I said, so where are my whistlers? And you guys were doing that. So if you're at home, you want to let out a whistle, that'd be cool. Disappointment to me is I don't get to hear it. But I, I missed worshiping with you today. So grateful for the worship team and their heart and their passion and their skills that they took the time to develop to lead all of us into this moment of presence. So my joy to be with you today, and it's a, again, it's just an exciting moment for me to be able to walk into the Word of God with you and see what God will do and, and show up. I do want to say to you that may the Lord guide you in your selection of the next pastor. Honestly, the next pastor is a very blessed person. They're very, very blessed for the heart that you have, for the way God wants to dream for this community it's a blessed person, so I'm joyful, excited for you to discover who that is and be a part of that. You've heard the announcements and participate in that moment, so I would just strongly encourage you to do that. Psalm chapter 4, we're going to look at it today here in a few minutes. I'm going to read it, but right now I just want to walk you into what actually looks like uh, this, this, how the Psalms can, can bless us. Psalm 4 would be considered a Davidic psalm, which actually just means it's a psalm of David. It's always interesting how we use these unique language, Davidic psalm versus just a psalm of David. Anyway, it's a psalm of David, and it would be one of the expressions of his heart. You probably know a little bit about David if you've been in church at all. Then you probably know a little bit that David was king. He was this, actually the second king of Israel. He was anointed by a man named Samuel, a prophet, at the um, moment when uh, Saul was actually going to be dethroned in the sense where the Lord was removing the, the kingdom from him and going to give that kingdom to David. So that's how David was going to eventually become king. It, it was uh, 15 years between his anointing and the time that he actually becomes king. So it's a long time. Sometimes when God is moving in our lives, there's a space where God is equipping us and testing us and preparing us for the destiny that he has for us. So that's 15 years of development because you have to be developed pretty high to be a king who brings culture to the people, which is what the king really was supposed to do. Bring the culture of the kingdom of God, which at that point, the culture of chasing God's heart, actually to the people where it would be spread out all over a nation. If you know about David, then you may know of his fall. Sometimes we tend to know more about people's fall than their impact. David actually isn't known for Bathsheba. He did stumble. He did fall. It was sin. But that's actually not how the history emphasizes, the God history emphasizes. And so God's history in uh, emphasizing your life also would not be caught and everything that you've ever done wrong. That's not the history that God would have for you. He would have destiny for you. Yes, we have to go through cleansing in those moments, and yes, we have to walk in faithfulness, but sometimes it feels to us like the, the things that we've done in our past that actually are the messes, those are the things that God would most remember and the things that from which we would ruin our destiny, but it wasn't the case, and it doesn't have to be the case with you. The next thing you probably know about David would be Goliath. And so that's kind of the underdog moment. And we all know about how underdogs, David and Goliath and those kinds of things. 
I would tell you all those stories important, but I would tell you that's not his legacy. It's not Goliath. It's not his kingship. It's the Psalms. Because the Psalms are actually his prayer journal. The Psalms are actually how David walks toward the Lord in all cases, in all moments, and actually writes his prayers. And in some cases, you can actually see dates about them. But you and I might, in my journaling, I date it by a date. You may not, you may do that. But David, not necessarily dating it that way, would date it such as when he was running from Absalom or when he was here, when he was there. So there were still some, some senses of dating. But the Psalms are actually David's heart as he chases God's heart. And if you can see that, he actually cuts a path for us to follow him as he's chasing God's heart so that we can walk in the same culture. So that's his legacy to us, is the written expression of his psalms. And in the psalms, you'll discover all kinds of experience from a wide variety of joy to worship to reflection to devastation. It's all there in the psalms, which tells us that in our worship experiences, we really do need to be authentic. We have to really bring our world into the presence of God and ask the questions. Sometimes we ask them, sometimes I do, so I'm just assuming that you probably would as well. We ask them kind of hydroplane, just moving really quickly from one thing to the other. God bless this, God do that, God do this. But it's the slowing down. It's the actual processing of our life and our situations in the presence of the Most High God. That's what David teaches us to do. So you bring your life into the presence of God, but you also bring the wonder and the majesty, and that's where those two actually combine in your prayer time. And so that means that we have to slow down, not just simply have requests, but actually slow down and listen and ask the Lord to speak to us in our challenging moments. The Psalms are actually David's way of doing that, and the Psalm 4 that we're going to look at is another expression of that. Next thing I want to say to you, the kingdom of God is the emphasis of Jesus' teaching, or at least one of them. And so when he teaches us the kingdom of God, he teaches us that the kingdom is within us. So the kingdom is inside of us, and it's different than the world in which you and I live. It's not to be offensive, it's just to be straight up. Most of us have been discipled in the American culture and the American way of life, which isn't all bad, but that's how we think. We think like Americans, we process out of our heart what it means to be an American, therefore we pray like that, and we actually take that American ideology and we usually superimpose it over the Scripture. But that's actually not what we should be doing. We should be knowing that we're Americans or whatever nationality we would be, but actually living in the kingdom of God so that we actually superimpose that, the kingdom of God. So there's two worlds in the same moment, and the Scripture, here's what you need to know, the Scripture is the portal through which we move into our, out of our world and into the kingdom of God. The Scripture actually reveals to us what the kingdom is like and then reveals to us how to live in the kingdom even in seasons when the world is chaotic, even in seasons when the world is dangerous, when your hopes, your disappointments, your dreams, your striving, your hopes, all of those kinds of things are to be brought into the kingdom and we look through the kingdom to see what God is doing in the world. So the scripture then becomes vital. 
but it doesn't become vital just because you read a passage here or there. Maybe today you read, you know, Psalm 3 or whatever, and you just kind of read it and move on. You have to actually slow down and allow again what, what I would call the theology of the Scripture to come out. Theology is not a bad word. Sometimes people think it means that it doesn't have any application or integration into life. And actually, the Scripture is all about practical theology. It's practical. The kingdom of God is practical even when you assume authority in the kingdom. That's still very, very practical. So we have to slow down and allow the Scripture to lead us. That's what we're going to do today as we read Psalm chapter 4. I, as I read it from uh, the New International Version that's my Bible, it may be different sometimes than some of yours. I know one of the uh, expressions of worship here at Pathway is they often have the Scripture read, and when it's read, then they would have the people stand. So if you're at home, I just want to invite you to stand in this moment if you can as a sense of recognition that this is the word of the Lord. It is the word of the Lord for this body this weekend, and it is the word of the Lord for you in whatever situation you may be facing. So we're going to read Psalm chapter 4. Here we go. The first part I want to highlight, probably wouldn't naturally would you read this part, but here's what it says. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a Psalm of David, that'll be important in a moment. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods, answers from other gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. Hear that as a powerful word. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call. Notice that declaration of truth. He hears. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In other words, Lord, reveal to them that you are the provider. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, our Lord, make me dwell in safety. And that is the word of the Lord. Would you take a moment and pray? Holy Spirit, I just ask you to take over this virtual room. I pray your anointing would explode through your word, that you would reach to the people who are online, the Pathway community, and equip them today through your word to be people of power, people of authority, people of worship, people of understanding and revelation through your word. Today, may Lord, today, Lord, may your word go out and may it have the fruit that you want it to have in Jesus' name. Amen. So the beginning of that psalm, he talks about it's a four-strings instrument, which means it's worship. It's actually a, a worship song, and somehow David was saying this thing should be put so that the people could sing it. Here's the deal. Worship is so vital to our lives, but I need to say this to you, and again, just hear me say it tenderly and yet in a leadership manner. Our, our worship that we need isn't always what we would experience like when we're gathered together. We do need that. But we also need the times when we're personally worshiping or in our homes where we're worshiping or online like this when we're worshiping. 
it's, it's the psalm. This psalm actually is a worship psalm. So in this worship, there is authenticity and there is the theology, which we're going to look at. But worship is an essential factor. If you want to walk in the kingdom of God, then there's, there's a piece of, there are pieces about worship that you would need to know, and they're here in the psalm. So here we go. Let's just kind of start walking through it. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Here's the thing. Humility is an essential piece to calling in the blessing of the Lord. Humility actually is this moment of saying, this thing is beyond me. It's, it's beyond me. I don't know, Lord. I don't know what to do. Have mercy on me. You in your majesty see me. It is this moment of declaring blessing that the Lord is great and the Lord is God and that I see myself under his majesty. That is an essential piece of worship and that's what worship does. It reminds us of who God is. Here's the thing. Often what we end up doing is we'll start our, our, situa- our prayer, our journaling, things like that. We begin by just pouring out our stuff and that's, that's not a bad thing. That's one way to pray and to journal. It's not always bad. But sometimes what can happen is that the more that we focus on our challenges, the more the majesty of God starts shrinking. So when we humble ourselves in this sense of worship, our prayer is worship, our scripture reading is worship, our serving of people is worship. So when we start defining worship like that and see it in the fullness that it is, it's taking thoughts captive It's choosing to declare truth. When we begin to see worship like that, then we can actually walk through and then we we can become, even though we see ourselves, humility, I guess I need to stop and say this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. That's not humble. You are who God made you to be. So that's, that's actually satanic. Humility is seeing the majesty of God and seeing yourself under that majesty. So that's what David is doing here. He's actually, by his cry for mercy, he's saying, I know that you are God. I know that you can do what you want to do in the right time. So have mercy upon me, O God. Come now and touch my life and touch my heart and open my eyes to see. The mercy, he doesn't define it, although sometimes it, it may be a little bit in this passage in other places. Sometimes we can think that the mercy is get me out of this mess And that's a part of sometimes what God wants to do. But I want to say this to you. The heart of God is not to give you entitlement. It is to give you development. So to ask God to remove all of the challenges that we face in our lives is inconsistent and he won't do it. Because you actually need the stress and the challenges to understand how to walk in authority and power and blessing. It's because the kingdom of God is here, but it's not just making your life easier or making my life easier. It is about experiencing the power of the Most High God while under attack, which is what David was experiencing here. So it begins with this sense of humility, this sense of majesty of the Lord, and then his next words, how long were the people around who are basically saying you're crazy. When you live in the kingdom, you will be misunderstood. When you live in the kingdom, people will think, what is wrong with you? And you will see things through the scripture and through his word to you that other people do not see. And they will then wonder what you've been drinking, 
where you've been living because it doesn't feel like it's the real world. That's because they live in the earthly world and you live in the real world where the kingdom of God is real. So there'll be moments when it'll be really hard, it'll be challenging for you and I to walk in the kingdom when it feels like there's pushback, pushback, disrespect, dissing us, uh, renouncing what we're saying, and you'll have to walk it off and alone. But I want you to hear the next verses because they're really super powerful. Verse three, know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Know the Lord has set apart. This is the key. When you live in the kingdom, you established his majesty over you and you say he is majesty and this is beautiful, you ready? And I matter. He is majesty and I matter. Because in this world, again, sometimes humility is I'm not that important. I'm sorry, to the king of kings, I matter. Don't let anybody tell you you don't matter. That's just not true. That's a lie. You matter. Do you matter more than most people? That's a crazy question. You matter. He's, he put a stake in the ground to declare to you that when the moments you feel like you're not loved, he has chosen you. That's what Ephesians 1 is all about. From the foundation of the world, you, he chose us. He chose us. He chose us. He chose us from the foundation of the world. Before he ever created you, he chose you. So in the moments when it feels like the world is spinning and you can't actually find your way, here's the word of the Lord. He is majesty and you matter. And when those two things start converging, they start leading you in the moment while you're in the swirl. The swirl is around you, but it's no longer inside of you because you know who is Lord, that he is majesty, and you know who you are. The Lord has set apart his faithful servant. If you've given your life to Jesus, that's you. This is what I see happening because I've experienced it and I see it in so many of us. We have been given authority in the kingdom, but we have no idea how to use it. And so it looks like this. We know that God is good and great. At least we say those words. And so we keep declaring that he is Lord over this moment, Lord over the next moment. But we're not really sure about it because what we don't think is that we matter. If you want to pull those two together where the authority comes when those two combine, it's majesty and you matter. That's Ephesians 1. So in your prayer time, what will happen is, and in your worship and other moments, Satan will begin to put doubts and thoughts in your head. Well, who are you? I mean, like, you know, you, you were mean to your spouse yesterday. He will accuse and accuse and accuse. His whole point is to keep you distant from the majesty moment. You matter. Doesn't mean you don't have to deal with your stuff. Doesn't mean you don't have to confess. But the authority comes in prayer when we understand his majesty and that we are chosen in the life of the king so that we can combine those together and then we can pray with authority. So praying in the pandemic, it's a powerful moment when you understand you, my brothers and sisters, are given authority to pray. So he says, he hears me when I call. He hears you. I know, I know. The problem is, well, I don't see him moving. Then we have to look in through the kingdom. You have to ask, what does it mean if my people will humble themselves and the end result is I will hear the, heal their land? What's healing the land mean? 
Does it simply mean the restoring of my money and my life as I used to run it? Or does it mean a restoring to the kingdom? So this chosenness is an essential piece for you and I to say, well, wait a minute. He is majesty. I matter. And therefore, I have holy authority to walk in the kingdom of God. Doesn't mean you get to decide. You have to listen to what he's saying and what he's doing. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. He has set you apart for himself. The Lord hears when I call. Watch the next part, verse 4. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. This is essential peace to living in the kingdom. You probably already know in your stir-crazy moments, I mean, sometimes right now you feel like, my gosh, I like my home, not that much. I actually wanted to do a few other things and be out, and then I'd appreciate it more. Right now you're just, you're just kind of with it. But what happens to most of us in um, the deeper parts of our hearts are pushed down by the pace of our lives. So we don't even deal with the inner stuff inside, but it's real and it's there. And then when the quiet times comes, what can happen is the stuff inside of us, the fears, the frustrations, the anxiety, the accusation against the Lord, the accusation against other people starts coming up. If you don't know this, then you need to know that not every thought in your head is actually yours. Satan puts temptation in you, and sometimes that temptation is to actually destroy what God is doing in your life. So one of the things that David says in this moment is when you're on your bed, you can picture it's quiet now, you're laying there, and the stuff inside of you is beginning to come up. Then he says these words, when you're on your bed, stay silent. This is what he's talking about. A few years back, I was walking through some really hard time. I was told by the Lord, by the Spirit of God, this was going to be a next season was going to be very hard for me. I did not fully understand what that meant, but I just started walking through it and discovering what, how hard it actually would be. It was a 22-month-long journey for me. Again, my prayer time documented like David's in, in my journal with dates and all those things. And in my journal, I wrote one day, Lord, I sense inside of me this idea, this thought that you are not faithful. That's what I hear. And there's something pushing me to say, declare that. But I'm not going to say that because that's not true. And it's actually written in my journal. I will not say those words and give weight to them. If I say them, I'm going to cancel them out. I'm going to cast those things down. I'm going to go ahead and declare that you are Lord, you, you are majesty, and I matter. You are faithful. I'm not going to allow myself to speak the lack of truth, to speak the lie out as if it's true. This is how you learn to live in the kingdom. Sometimes your heart's going to swirl. The accusation's going to come that it's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. It's God's fault. It's because of your past. And yet you've had cleansing in your past. That's what the scripture says. This is a moment when you have to, if it comes to your mind, you close your mouth. You refuse to give voice to the lie. And instead, you declare the truth. I am a forgiven person. I am a chosen person. Here's what happens. About that moment, Satan begins to have the argument inside of us, and he'll say, does it look like you're chosen? Look at your money. Look at your marriage. Look at your kids. Look at your situations. And he'll name a thousand things to argue with you about what he is, what he is trying to get you to leave, which is the blessing of the Most High God. 
So in these moments, you have to just close your mouth. You have to just tell yourself, I hear that in my head, but it's a lie. And you refuse to give it voice as if it is the truth. This is how you live in the kingdom. This is how the scripture leads us. It's a portal where we can step out of our lives as it is and step into the kingdom and begin to say again, yeah, that's what it is. I see the crazy that's swirling around me and it's trying to get in me, but I declare he is majesty. I matter. He has chosen me. He hears me when I call. I will not confess lies. I will declare truth over myself and say the scripture is true if I don't see it, if I don't understand it, if I don't even know where it's taking me. My God is righteous. That was the beginning part. My God is righteous. Hear me, my righteous God. That's how you move into the kingdom by remembering again the theology, the truth about who God is. He is righteous. Nothing he will ever do will be dark or evil toward you. He will discipline you. As I said, it's not entitlement. It's empowerment, but he's righteous, so he's never going to do anything in your life that doesn't actually have destiny of eternity written all over it. Tremble and do not sin when you lie on your bed. Search your hearts and then be silent. Close your mouth at that moment. The next verse, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Offer sacrifices of the righteous. Here's, this is an Old Testament passage, but really what he's saying is stay in the patterns of that keep you in the kingdom. So they would have several feasts. They would have um, offerings that they would be required to give in order to keep this relationship with God actually moving. And this is a moment for you and me to hear this. You have to stay in the kingdom patterns even in your isolation. Stay in the kingdom patterns. Some of those patterns are the call to chase his heart, the call to worship. Worship on Sunday when they bring this to you, but worship in your own life. Slowing down, giving space, chasing the heart of God. That's some of the patterns. Some of the patterns of the offering. They would be giving first fruits offering. And that's a call to declare that my God is not limited by the economy. He is free and majesty. And if he chooses to shape down my finances, then blessed be the name of the Lord. But I can still be generous and be kind and be gracious and I can still give out of even my poverty, as, Corinthians, as it was said, I think it's in Corinthians. I can give out of my poverty because he is majesty and I matter. So then the patterns of worship, the patterns of scripture, the patterns of prayer, the pattern, patterns of being in community and being in the body of Christ. I'm sorry, again, that we can't be together. But those patterns of giving, those patterns of sacrifice, those patterns of choosing other people over yourselves, those are the patterns where we learn to walk into the kingdom of God and begin to be people of authority. So then David says, may my heart be joyful when they begin to see. And if you're walking in this season and it feels like that things have been taken from you, just so you know, the Lord restores. And he restores better than your dream. It's not the restoration to what was, it's the restoration to your destiny in the kingdom of God. So some things that he will be removing, you apparently didn't need. And in some cases, they may actually be hindrance. And so he may be calling us to trust him and to give those out to him. And then the last few words in the psalm says something like this. I can lay down and go to sleep. In a world crazy with chaos, upset with paradigm shift, you're probably aware that we, we probably won't be the same 
coming out of this moment. But we can trust our God because he is majesty and we matter and we have authority. And when the accusations come, we throw those away. And then in the night, we can lay down in worship and we can rest for my God is bigger than life and my God is righteous and the God of the Bible who's the God of every person should they only choose it is the God who has destiny written in their creation if they only knew. So if you're watching here uh, online today and you've never really fully given your life to Jesus today, I would tell you, you're missing it. This is the God that we know. This is the God who wants to bring blessing into your life. This is the God that you should chase with all of your heart. In this season where the world is being disrupted, it's a call. If you've been in, in this, perhaps in this community, but you feel like you kind of lost some ground, this is a moment to stand up again and say, nope, I'm going to chase it. I'm going to chase it with all of my heart. This is a moment for the pathway community to stand in holy authority. He is majesty. I matter. I will worship. I will keep walking in his patterns. I will see his blessing and I can be at peace. And today, I invite you to turn over all parts of your life that seem to be creating swirl and heartache and release those into his name. If you've never accepted Jesus, then it's as simple as, as this. It's actually, it's simple in the sense that it's all done for you in the sense that you just have, he's, it's his blood, but then you have to choose it. You have to turn your life over to him. So it can be as simple as confessing your sin to him, to say to him, I've chased other things, but today I'm just gonna start chasing you. If you've been pulled off the, the path and you feel like you've been chasing other things, this is the moment as a Pathway community member to say, nope, I'm gonna come back in. I'm gonna chase the heart of this God who is righteous, who's majesty, and I'm gonna remember again that I matter. So I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back and lead us in worship, but I wanna pray for you as they're coming forward. Heavenly Father, I worship you for the wonder of your word, for the power of your word, for how it cuts into our world and brings ex exploding hope because of your kingdom. Today, I pray that Pathway would be shot full, that you are Lord over the moment and every single one of them matters to you greatly. Today, I pray for every person who's been captured by your voice, that you are calling them to yourself and they would give their lives and start walking in this same kingdom that is so amazing. Today, Lord, we denounce the thoughts that you're not faithful, you're not holy, you're not good, you're not kind. We just renounce all of those. Today, I would ask you to wash this community with your kingdom. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, may this spirit, his spirit, be released over you to remind you that you are chosen, remind you that he is Lord, and remind you that you can keep walking in his ways and remind you that you can rest. In Jesus' name we pray.
Let's just go to the Lord and worship right now. Thank you for God's choice servant, uh, State Pastor Kenla, for coming and delivering this beautiful challenge to us this morning out of God's Word. Let's respond to the Lord.
And so in our worship, we declare his majesty and that we matter. He is righteous. So when he takes their reasons, because in every case, he's calling you, chase his heart. Pathway community, thank you for joining us online today. May the grace of God wash over you. May you have a sense of his presence in you right now that he has equipped you for the next season. If we have to do online for a while, you're ready because you know how to taste his presence. You know how to walk in his presence. May the spirit of God wash over you. Blessings. Thanks for being with us.